Welcome back again to everybody for the last of the uh, three workshops this morning, although we're now into the afternoon. Uh, we have another alumnus now, Sarah Salway, who's going to talk to us about the consequence of the digital world in writing, which is something that I particularly do find uh, very interesting. And uh, I guess one of the questions I, I talked in my one about where do you get your ideas from being one of the questions that writers must get asked all the time in terms of the members of the general public talking to them. I'm guessing that within the world of creative writing and publishing, what's going to happen to the book and how do we use the digital media that are out there is the question that gets asked inside that world just as much as where you get your ideas from gets asked from people coming from outside that world. So I'm going to be uh, taking notes as well. <laughs> um, and so, did you, we can have questions at the end. Yeah, right, okay. So, we'll have a talk and then we'll uh, have some questions. Okay. Thank you very much, great, sir. great. I'll just correct that. Just one thing there. I'm not actually an alumni here. Oh. I work as at the LSE as the Royal Literary Fund oh. Fellow, um, and also I am the Canterbury Laureate at the moment. Um, I chaired a evening here on Thursday on Poetry Unites. Um, and as part of that, in the run-up to, um, to the festival, the festival organisers had encouraged lecturers to, uh, encourage lecturers to read their favourite poem before lectures. And so I want to do that to you today. And this is one by Emily Dickinson, one of my very favourite poets, who despite being a complete recluse, seems to have foreseen the rise of social media. And it's called, I'm nobody, who are you? I'm nobody, who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us. Don't tell, they'd banish us, you know. How dreary to be somebody. How public, like a frog. To tell one's name the livelong June to an admiring bog. So I think we can sort of think, some people might think about social media as being the admiring Bob, or perhaps not so admiring. So we have one hour to talk about social media and writing for social media. I think we could probably take three days and not really scratch the surface. And I have a, I started a poem with a confession, I'll also, uh, with a, I started the lecture with a, a poem, I'll also start with a confession that I've actually started this talk three times. The first time I put forward a robust defence of social media, because that seems to be my default position when I'm talking to anybody about Twitter and blogging <coughs> and Facebook at the moment, and then I thought, well, actually, you've all um, volunteered to give it up an hour of your Saturday, and however paranoid I might be, and you might be surprised at that, I was thinking, you're not all here to heckle me <laughs> about the advantages. <laughs> Then the second time I looked at a very academic discourse about the future of social media and I you know, spent some time thinking about what I wanted to say and what social media meant to me as a writer and what I'm going to give you is my very personal take on what it means to me, what I've seen, how I've seen it working, how I've seen it not working and how it's changed um, almost beyond recognition since I first started. Um, I'm guessing there's a very wide range of interests here. There's maybe some um, academics and students, some people interested in personal bloggers, um, and so in personal blogs, and some specialist interests. And I think the one thing about social media, the one thing I find quite exciting, is that there's a complete cross-fertilisation between the different pla platforms. 
I mean, the area that, um, of interest that I have learned a lot of my sort of most successful outcomes in social media has been the craftspeople. And I find it absolutely fascinating that, if you like, the homemade movement has taken to the internet with such sort of gusto, really, selling things. And the, I mean, you just look at some of the sites, they're beautiful, they're completely up to the minute with what they're saying. So I'm going to look particularly at blogs and also at Twitter, and then I will take questions at the end. I've also put up, or I will have put up by the end of tomorrow, all my notes from today um, and all the links that I'm going to be talking about on my website. I'll even give you the address of my website. So you will be able to, I mean, if you want to take notes, but you'll be able to look at that at any stage and also some like writing exercises and some things that I found useful. Um, I've devised um, this session as if we we're all huddled around my laptop and I'm just like pointing things out. So we'll see, see how, it, how it works. Um, but for me, the clue to writing successfully in social media and using social media is in that title. It's in the social bit and it's in the media bit. And the social bit is it's very much a conversation. And in the media bit, it's using the opportunities from the media, which is the newsworthiness of it and the sense of the audience, the very wide range of things that we can use to, to get across what, what we want to say. Um, but also the disadvantage of that is that people can click off at any stage. They can sort of literally almost you know, move on to something else. So you have to look at how you can grab people and how you can get them. And I think where people have failed is because they've treated it as a one-way route of self-promotion, um, of as a lecture of their opinions and you know what they sort of think about life and what they want to tell everybody else. Or sometimes they've just tried too hard, and the, in all the cases, they've missed the personal element that makes it work. I mean, one of the things I find absolutely fascinating, and perhaps someone here will be able to tell me at the end, is why the big institutions and commercial organisations have not got sort of into social media. It's not from lack of trying. Um, and very often you will get a company with not very many followers on Twitter, um, the blog doesn't quite work, and yet there will be an employee within that company who is much more successful at getting that message across. And my hunch is that it's because it's missing, the company is missing that injection of personal passion that you need. Um, that the successful website sites are not just there because someone has told you that you need to have a website, which happens now to authors. The publishers will say that you do need to have a website. Um, and so someone will put one up and then they'll forget to update it, they won't really be interested, they'll come on Twitter very aggressively, as some people do, saying things like that now Twitter, show me what you've got to offer, uh, rather than thinking, well actually, I want to communicate with people. So your first question, sorry, your first question should really be, um, how personal do you want to <laughs> So this is one that I put up for the purposes of taking this screenshot. This isn't me on Twitter necessarily. So I put it up and then I thought I had taken it off very quickly, but I did embarrassingly get two replies from people saying, no, we didn't have pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's this 
fear that people are going to be bombarded with like you know kind of slightly useless information coming at them or perhaps worse will suddenly turn into someone that tells everybody what they had for, for breakfast. So how personal you should be is completely up to you. But what you have to be aware of that unless you are going to be interesting and unless you are going to be useful, you might lose the audience that you somehow have managed to get. So what you need to ask yourself and what you need to remember the whole time is to think about what is your reason for writing. Everybody will have a different reason for wanting to write blogs, to be on Twitter. It may be if you're a writer, you want people to, write your your, to buy your books or even to publish your books. If you're a student, you might want to persuade the economist that you should have an opinion column or to get a job. It may be to associate it with like-minded people, to find information in your field, to share information in your field. It might be, and I think this is another problem, people will come on because they want people to like them. They try too hard to like them. And to be honest, um, that's what internet dating sites are for. <laughs> I do have to say that I have found real friends um, through blogging and through Twitter but that has been because we've found through sharing information that we have interests in common and that we, we, you know, we can meet up with different people. So one way to turn that around for me is to think about what, what do I want people to do as a result of reading me on social media? What have I got to offer is another way of doing it. The second question to think about is who do you want to read you? Now these seem like very simple questions, but it is amazing how many people don't necessarily think about them, particularly if they've been told along the way that they need to be doing something in the social media field. And I think these are the 60 to 80% of people who research shows quickly abandon blogs, actually, often within the first month. It's because they're completely unfocused. They're not getting any reaction to what they're writing and they run out of things to say. So I'm going to look at blogs first. Your blog is really your calling card. That's how it, what it's become. Um, when I read a book, I know that I one of the first things I'll do when I finish, if I've enjoyed it, is that I will do an internet search for that writer now. And I will expect them to have some kind of internet presence um, and if it's someone that I um, enjoy reading, they've got their news up there, they, I feel that they're communicating with me, I will engage with that author. And even though I haven't met them, I will have some kind of loyalty towards them and will carry on with their, reading their books. Um, and I think it's the same with anyone, whatever field you are in, if you have something to communicate. What you need to look at your um, blog or your website as if you were that reader coming to it for the first time and to think whether you have made it easy to understand what you are about and what it is you're trying to say. Which is why when I started my blog, first of all in September 2003, I did absolutely everything wrong. <laughs> um, this is my first, um, my first uh, entry ever 
There's nothing to say it was my first. I was just about to launch my first book, which was why I started a blog. And I had a look back for this talk, and there's nowhere that you can find out I'm a, a writer that I have a book coming out. I kind of assumed that it would be taken. There was nothing there about the book. And actually, it was just really like a diary entry um, there, but also a rather unsuccessful diary entry. It was a bit like Sarah, age 13. You know, I um, had read a biography of Samuel Pepys, so I, got, I tried to find out where he lived, but I couldn't. I went and brought a, um, some chocolate and then the bag split and it was all a bit, <laughs> all a bit sad. But the thing uh, is that um, by starting that early in 2003, I'm actually, and in many ways I am, sort of blogging, a blogging veteran. At the uh, research I uh, read showed that by the end of 2003, there were five million hosted blogs out there. And it was thought like this is sort of a coverage I remember, like what is happening, what's going to happen to media, etc., etc. Five million, how will people be able to take that information in? And a report that I just read by Blog Pulse, which part of the Nielsen Group, showed that by the end of 2011, there were 152 million blogs. Now remember that 60 to 80 percent of those will be abandoned blogs, but even so. And actually, I read this really interesting thing um, just before I, I came here, that although that was the figure by the end of 2011, there were 20,000 more by January 14th. So I think it was some <laughs> New Year's resolution, maybe, or, or people bored over Christmas. Um, and mine very easily might have been one of those abandoned blogs. You can see the naught comments, naught comments, naught comments that was coming up. But I was using it as my writing journal. I was putting in things that I found on the internet. I was putting in um, links I liked, etc., etc. Um, so it was still very much a personal journal for me at that time. But then I got to looking at what was happening in the rest of the blogging community and um, starting to leave comments on people's blogs. And I found out that people were reading me and it became a very different relationship that I had once you're aware that people are reading you. So my website now, my blog, um, it's a particularly stupid picture of me, but my uh, website now is completely different. One of the first things I've done, and this is what I would recommend to everybody, is that I've integrated it into my website as a whole. Before it was a separate thing. So the website is a continuously updated um, sort of information for me. It's also integrated with links to Twitter, to Facebook, and to other sites. So there's many different ways to find me on the internet, and that's important as well. The second is that I have clear aims now. Um, it's very difficult to read this and not realize I have a book coming out. Um, I have a poetry collection which is actually being officially launched next week which you can see permanently down the side there, Meet My New Book. The other thing that I've got here is something that I set up for the launch of that poetry book which is a virtual poetry reading. So I did ten different recordings of poems from the book and got different websites to host me over four days last week. 
So you could click on one website, listen to me reading a poem, click on and then move to another website. So you can move around the web across three countries and have a sort of poetry reading. Um, I don't know the blog figures for um, every one of those ones that I went to, but I counted up the Twitter feeds because all those people who had hosted me, my reading, had put it also up on Twitter and I saw I had the potential for reaching 62,000 people. Now, obviously, it's not going to be all those people, but I thought, well, with comments, etc., it's interesting to think that that poetry reading had the ability, if you like, to fill up the Albert Hall ten times. Much excitement. Um, now, no one's going to click through, but I counted the number of people that did click through and listen to the readings, and there were more than 500. So that's not bad for a poetry reading. Again, not every one of those is going to buy the books, but I'm really pleased to tell you that just by doing this, um, this project, before the official launch next week, the book has already been sold out and is in its second print run. And that's without any other publicity and without it being in bookshops. So this is the things that you can do. But it isn't just about self-promotion. And one of the reasons I can get onto other sites is that I do um, promote and support other writers, which takes the pressure off me with my blog, but also um, kind of talks about the, com the whole community that, I, that, I, that I'm in. So this is, this is something that I've set up, which is five sentences that I, uh, I start and then I give to other creative people, to uh, other people working in the creative field to finish. So again, it's a very easy format for them to do and it's easy for me to put on. And it's these sort of guest posts that will help you when you're thinking, I, I don't know what I want to say. The other thing is that I um, provide information as well. Um, as the, I said I was the Canterbury Laureate, one of my projects is to do a literary tour around gardens in Canterbury, and I got the chance to um, visit two of the sort of gardens not normally open to the public. And so I put up photographs of these, I put up a video of these, and also sort of information that people might not otherwise see. So I think the golden rule for any social media of all kinds is this, what they call the rule of three. So it's a third self-promotion, what you want to talk about, a third support conversation, and a third giving information. But the other thing um, about my website now is that my writing has changed completely. It's now much more direct. Now that didn't necessarily come naturally to me. I'm, an, I'm a novelist, I've written three novels, and I'm used to writing, um, although I'm used to writing on the screen, I'm used to thinking of my writing being read on uh, paper. And the trick for me came when I stopped cutting and pasting. And I think that that's what a lot of people do. They sort of write, and then they you know, write first of all on paper, they edit on paper, etc., 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 and then they will just cut and paste and put into the blog. But it's a <coughs> very different way of writing for the screen. Um, and it's much more direct. The other thing that has come into social media um, with a lot more ease than when I first started is 
you know, using photographs to illustrate the point, using audio recording, soundscapes, um, using um, videos as well. And um, the other thing, as I, as I said, I, the relationship I had with my website changed when I started to think, oh gosh, someone is reading me. And um, I'm lucky in some ways in that I trained as a journalist writing features. And one of the things that um, I was taught there is that you want to write something in your piece that someone will mention that night over supper. And I think, or I think that's a really useful thing for blogs. What is there? I mean, it's been called being remarkable, but that doesn't mean like you know you can be remarkable by putting kind of strange photographs. Well, I put strange photographs of myself. <laughs> strange photographs of yourself, but that's that kind of kind of the wrong remarkable. Is there something there that someone will comment on? Are you providing information that people will talk about? Doesn't have to be big, but something that people will remember and kind of click with. And really, the best teacher of um, how to use social media is to play with and to have a look at what's around. And I'll, I've never forgotten being told um, as an explanation as to why children are so much better than adults with computers um, was that adults know the worth of computers, so they are terrified that they will break this sort of 2,000 pound sort of, you know, piece of equipment, whereas children will just click and click and click and click and, and suddenly they find that it works. They, they're not scared about that. That's also, I think, the fear of social media. So I'm here to tell you, you cannot break social media. <laughs> Your video might not work. I put up a video on YouTube of me reading um, a poem before um, I learned the, the audio blogs. I'm not a very technical person. And I got lots of comments like saying, this is really interesting because there's absolutely no sound. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> it didn't sound reminding you, but you know, it doesn't matter. What does it matter? You've made a bit of a fool of yourself, but it doesn't necessarily matter. So what I um, have done is picked examples of different types of blogs around to look at and so that we could perhaps look at like the lessons from those. And it will be very hard, I think, to explain to your families and especially to your bosses that actually this kind of surfing and looking at different blogs is your work. But it really is one of the best things you can do. The first and most popular um, type of blog is a personal journey. So it will be perhaps through loss, through, through new parenthood, learning a new skill, publishing a book. There was a fantastic um, blog, um, one of the best I've seen, which has now been taken down, and it was an academic actually setting out from start to finish on writing and researching an essay, even to the extent of them being given the title, how they got the information, how they were starting to put it together, and then they were very brave because they then got feedback from that and they got a mark for that. But they put it in different ways to teach their students how they could do it through the different ways. This one here, 52 Seductions, is a very personal um, blog. It's about uh, rekindling lust in a marriage. Um, and it was 52 weeks, so they took the year uh, program and they did 52 seductions, one each, husband and wife. 
Um, and I picked it particularly because some of you might have, might recognize that um, typeface at the top because it's now been turned into a best-selling book. Um, and in some ways I can see why, because it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting, I mean, it is personal, um, but it also was interesting to look at start to finish at how the writing improved. And I think that's the other thing, by writing blogs, your writing will improve, partly because you're doing it regularly and you've got the different things. But for me, these types of blogs um, are interesting because they make me think about the boundaries I put on my own writing when I use social media, and that's something else for you to think about. Um, I've got my son here in the audience, but you will not see him on my blog at all. In fact, lots of people think I'm not married, you know, because I never really mentioned my family, because for me it's my writing blog. If, if they interfere, Oh, <laughs> if they come in willingly to my writing, <laughs> God, I'm in trouble. Um, then they're very welcome. But otherwise, <laughs> it really is about me and my writing and my writing career. The other thing is, and I think this is why these blogs work amazingly well and become very popular, is that they are not just about the good things. They're also about people being vulnerable. They're about people getting it wrong. They're about like how you overcome those times when you make a mistake. And again, I think the thing about uh, social media quite often for people is that they think it's just going to be a list of their triumphs. And just like you wouldn't necessarily want to spend time with the person that's always telling you about how wonderful they are. It's the same in social media. The second uh, blog I've picked is, is an example of how you can share information. Zen Habits is now one of the most um, largest read blogs on the internet, but it started from nothing. And how it works, it has a very sort of uh, similar format each time, which is it takes a, a series of numbered bullet points. And that can be a really good way of, of getting across information. You're not writing too much, but you're, you, know, you are um, kind of controlling the information that you get across. The other reason, can you read that? You can read it a little bit, I think. The other reason why um, I, I think that this is a very good example is that Leo Babuta tells you always why he can give you the, why you should be listening to him giving the information. And I think that that's something that we forget about. You know, our authority, we don't have to be the world authority, we could have lived, just lived through bringing up kids, but unless we're telling them that, then we are not kind of making the relationship with our audience. He said here, it's the, the story again is very topical, very newsworthy, kids in today's school system are not being prepared well for tomorrow's world. And then he says, as someone who went from the corporate world and then the government world to the ever-changing online world, I know how the world of yesterday is rapidly becoming irrelevant. So you've got his authority right there. You've then got um, the blogs which become the group expertise. And I think this is interesting. So it's not just a sole blog, but it's a number of different people that come together to share information. These are historical fiction writers. Um, 
and um, as well as sharing the burden of providing information and providing work, writing the whole time, it also beefs up the reputation of the blogs and everyone involved. You've then got the opinion leaders, if you like. This is Norman Girard, who's the Professor Emeritus at Manchester University, who has a very successful blog. And what he does is he looks at topics in the news and then he writes his opinion around them. It's something the LSE do very well themselves, I know, with their blog on British politics and policy. But I picked this because he was single, he's doing it single-handedly. But also he brings in other areas of interest, which again is engaging. You're getting an idea of the personality involved. He does a regular feature where he asks writers to write a post about their favourite book and the impact that it's made on them. The fifth kind is Geek Paradise. These are the, the ones I particularly enjoy. This is Tim Wright, who has edited several computer magazines. And he did a wonderful project, um, in fact, in 2009, which is still up there, where he took the book Kidnapped and he went to Scotland for two months and he followed the journey in the book. It's called Kidmapper. He followed the journey in the book throughout Scotland. He put up videos of uh, local people um, reading the bit from the book with the background behind them. <coughs> he used Flickr, which you can see here, to put up his photographs of the journey. And then he did this Google map, which I have stolen from my project, actually, in which I saw on his. And this is where you get ideas. I've stolen with his permission. I've borrowed it from him. For my, my garden project, which I'm doing literary responses to gardens, and you can click onto a pin and you get a poem about the gardens. My, my, this is my project, poem about the gardens as you go through. So you, as well as sort of doing it if you want properly you can also do it online so these are really useful to look at and see what other people are doing and the last one um, is, is one of the new year's blogs it started in january and it shows how like using your hobbies using the things you're interested in you can give a completely different picture about something that we know quite a lot about or think we know quite a lot about already and what <coughs> she does is that she I think she must be a librarian, I don't know who she is, but she goes through the archives, she goes through the letters, she goes through the books of famous writers, and she will give you a different recipe. <laughs> their recipe, it's their particular recipe. So you're getting this really different view of the writers, it's wonderful. Now, I was getting very excited about Elizabeth, I mean, Elizabeth Bishop is another uh, favourite poet, and I was um, going to bring you all brownies, and then I thought there's not too many. So there they are, and they were lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's also showing you can have fun with your, you can have fun with it all. So just some of the questions that I sort of think are some of the lessons that, that I've used. How often you write will be up to you and your timetable. You might be able to write every day, but I think no one expects a blog to be updated every day, unless it's the BBC or, or one of the newspapers. Three times a week, I would say, is the optimum. Once a week is fine. If you start to leave it more than, say, two weeks without putting any, anything up, no one is going to come back to you because it looks as if you know, it's abandoned. 
The other thing, and again I speak from experience, it's very easy to start talking about something but give no one anywhere to go as to where they can get more information or an action of what you should do next. And I, that's really successful in blogs when they do that. There's either links to something else, links to maybe if you're talking about an album or a musician or something where you can see the next or, or where you can find out more about them. The other thing is to think about making it newsworthy. And the best way you can do this is to think, as I say, writing direct, thinking about how you can get across your information directly. Think about how you were, if you were to sit down with a friend, how would you describe whatever it is you want to talk about? So if, for example, you're a stay-at-home parent and you want to talk about children's food, if you were talking with a friend, you might talk about a really unsuccessful meal that you prepared, or you might talk about research on what children should be eating about vegetables and how you're worried about that. You would not start with a chronological survey of children's food in Britain today, but it's amazing how many blogs will start with that. It's as if when you're writing, you feel you have to put in all the information before you make your point. You get in straight away with the hook that's gonna keep them there. And the last thing, and connected with this, um, if you're not writing an academic essay. And it's uh, really um, interesting how many of the websites which are asking for guest blogs actually have to state this now. We do not need footnotes. <laughs> and I think if that's how you've been used to doing it, it can feel really like you're, you know, on the, on the diving board going into the deep end when you start off without the kind of props that you might be be used to go through these bits. I think that's worth talking about actually go back. Oh no, I can't. Well on Twitter. Twitter's coming as it does. Okay, it probably will come up in the questions. Um, how many people here are on Twitter? How many people are using? So quite a few but not everybody. Okay. Um, those here will know and will agree with me that it can go very fast. When you start off, it feels like you're jumping into a very sort of fast-running stream and you're not sure where, where, how you can carry on, how you can do it. This is in a space of 37 minutes, 112 new tweets were coming in. And this is, you just see the tweets from your followers. So this was just information for me alone coming in. Um, and there are days... Um, that you just feel, I'm just too exhausted actually, I'm just going to turn it up. I can't take all this information coming at me. Now the thing is, when there are 112 new tweets coming in like that, um, there's no way that you are going to go back and look at all of them. So again, you've got to be, you've got to be up a minute, but you've got to think as well when you are going to position your tweet to be read. Um, and I think this is one of the reasons why people can be quite, kind of quite scared about Twitter. But it's reassuring, I think, to know that everybody feels the same. This is a bit mean of me. This was this month. Anne Lamott, I don't know if you know Anne Lamott. She's the writing guru. She's absolutely amazing. She wrote a book called Bird by Bird, which I know is used in a lot of the universities in America. It's one of my favorite, favorite um, books about writing. And this was her coming in. And it's kind of reassuring that someone who is such a writing expert is also completely 
uh, unsure about what she's doing, you know, and totally unclear on the tweet concept. And it goes on, and then a bit later on, she's saying, I still don't know what I'm doing. And Sam set this up for me. Sam is her son. So he's obviously set it up and left it. She is now completely kind of, she put a tweet up the other day saying, Twitter is my life. So she, <laughs> she's completely there. But what you have to think about, the only person, people that will really read what you're writing are the people that follow you. So you have to get the followers. You have to attract people to follow you. One of the ways that you do this is through your biography which you get 160 characters for, so you get 20 more characters. And I think um, I go through my follow through the people that, my followers, it's a horrible language, through the people that follow me quite often and look at who I want to follow back. So you have to, other pe everybody will be doing this, you have to make it sort of easy for people to want to follow you. And looking at this, um, if you can see, you've got George Surtis, poet and translator, born Budapest, 1948, Faber Price, Elliot Price, etc., some Hungarian ones, right in English. Are you going to follow him, or are you going to follow the egg that's moon-wracked at 79 Yahoo with nothing about them? Um, also, you know, it's tempting, um, you know, to do the small ad thing and be terribly clever, etc., etc., but that's not necessarily going to appeal. You want to know, when I look at biography, I want to follow someone, if they give me some clue about what they will be tweeting about and why I should be following them. Uh, again, it's that rule of three with Twitter. It can be entertaining, it is entertaining, um, but I also want to be taught something new from the people that I follow. So links, sharing information, conversation, I don't want it just to be a broadcast. I won't follow someone that has no follow, that, that isn't following anyone. Um, at all themselves because they're just interested obviously in, in pushing information out to me um, but there will be some kind of element of self-promotion I want to know what people are doing I think that's the other thing you know you want to know whether people are um, you know going to be uh, in your area or whatever so that you can find out what they're involved with and Nicola Morgan, who has written a lot about writing for Twitter, said something interesting the other day, which is, I think is really important to remember, is that no one goes on Twitter to be sold to. You know, you're not going to be sold an opinion even, or a book or something like that. You're going because you kind of want to develop relationships. So there are ways that you can get involved. There are regular hashtags. Two of the ones that I particularly enjoy are um, the hashtag today's poem, which people will put up, the, you know, a poem that kind of has meant something or they've read that day. And through that, I have sort of got in contact and, and started talking, in fact, made, made um, contact with, with people throughout the world, which has enjoyed someone that has put up a poem that I particularly enjoy. And also there is one which probably, if you're on Twitter, you're already following, um, which is for uh, Question Time, BBC Question <coughs> Time, and it's BBC QT. And it's, and it's like, you know, you, it's, it's almost a better Question Time that's going on than the one that the people are watching. <laughs> you can, as I said, where you put your information, when you put your information depends on what you want to do. There's a app called bufferapp.com. There's several different ones for this, when you can schedule your tweets. So you can, if you're particularly wanting to look at the American audience, 
um, or people in Panda or whatever, you can add, and you know you're going to be out all day or whatever, you can put a tweet that will come up when they come on. I mean, that's the joy of Twitter for me, is that it's like this international sort of timeline. You've got the mornings where it's all the Brits talking about the weather, <laughs> and then suddenly the Americans come on, and it's, oh, we better wake up. <laughs> and the other thing then is to think about integrating your blog and Facebook. I look at my blog at statistics quite a lot, and what I always see that when I have put up that I've got uh, put up on Twitter that I've got a new blog post or something, there's a spike for people clicking over to that. And then the last thing I think, and one of the most important things, is to enjoy it. It's been called a water cooler, and I think that that's the case. And I think like the case of thinking about who you want to speak to around the water cooler, it's actually a bit better than any office I've worked in, I have to say. Um, you don't necessarily want to be sharing your lunch out with someone that's always talking about themselves or someone that is always moaning or someone that is always repeating you um, or just talks about one subject. And I think that's the other thing as well about Twitter. We're told all the time we need to focus on our writing. And I think one of the other tricks of social media is actually adding variety of interests but also just having fun. I mean, this is one account, this is, I particularly love this account, which was when Waterstone's logo dropped their apostrophe, which you might have seen it was in the news. Someone set up the sad apostrophe account. <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous is this? And this, I think, is probably one of my favorite tweets of all time. It's like, the girl was the Marks and Spencer's ampersand. She was a bit stuck up. She kept saying, I'm not just an ampersand, I'm the M&S ampersand. <laughs> no, it's, it's people having fun. And then you also get other ones. This is a kind of such a work of love, which again is a joy of someone that is distilling Pete's diary of the time, and you know, so it's like real time, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in 140 characters. So I'm going to go through this. That's my website, and I will put up all these notes. But bearing in mind that I said we should have conversation, I hoped that we might, if anybody's got any questions or any comments or how you're using social media, we might use the last 10 minutes. Ah, I feel like I've talked awfully fast. Covered such a lot. So, yeah, any? Yeah, mm. um, how do you come across your audience? Because it's very easy to yeah. It, it was very hard, and actually, I felt very distracted when I felt my children sometimes. And then you have to sort of take yourself, well, you're, you're, I'm a grown up. I do not have to be stuck on Twitter. But I'm not such a grown up that I can always do it on myself. And I use this a, a, this is a real embarrassment that I have to use this, and I'm confessing it. There's a website download that you can use called Freedom. And you can say, I do not want to go onto the internet for however long. It might be 50 minutes and that two hours or whatever. And however much you beg freedom, once you've clicked the button, they will not let you back up. <laughs> as far as the information, as a load of information coming at you, it does become something that you get used to, i found. But it also... There, there are two levels to it. There are days when I'm really busy and I will just take in. I know now, I trust certain people will be giving me the information that I want. And I will. Do, you don't have to look at all the tweets. I'll just look at those people or something that interests me. 
or I can do a search for a particular subject that interests me and I'll just get the ones coming up there. Um, and other times, the best times have been when I've been completely open and it's been a serendipitous journey, in fact, from one person to another, etc., etc. And some of my best ideas have come from that. Yeah, how much actual time do you spend on the blogs and tweets? Actual okay. time. Do you want my answer or my son's answer? <laughs> <laughs> probably now, I reckon I probably spend about an hour a day. So an hour a day. An hour a day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, seven hours, that's only in a week. That's practically one day. Yeah. But it's, I treat it as part of my work now. And in fact, there probably well, there isn't, I can genuinely say, there isn't a week when I don't get an email offering work or something to do with the blogs. Through someone has read my blog or been, you know, lately, you know, I've had a connection on Twitter. So it is like a work thing. It's also I enjoy it. I love it actually. So, you know, it's, you know that's what I love. Mm. How do you most access social media? I mean, laptop, iPad, smartphone, what do you do? A bit of everything, actually. Um, I uh, I do have an iPad, and I and I will use that. Um, and uh, I, I also mostly now on my desktop computer because you know going back to these two questions, I find that that's quite a good discipline for me as well. Um, yeah. I see that. Oh, sorry, have you got? <laughs> um, I wonder if you've ever put anything on either a blog or a Twitter that you've later thought, oh, whoops, I wish I hadn't been quite so open about that? Um, no, I don't. I think like, like well, no drug tweeting. Sometimes it's a sort of trench of confessionalism. Yeah, it makes me a bit like a bit nervous. No, but, but actually, do you know, it's been the other way, I think. Sometimes um, I have really worried about putting something up that has felt, you know, terribly personal to me. And actually, very often those are the ones that people respond to. You know, like, they, they, well, actually, no, that, that's my experience as well. But I do set up boundaries, so I don't necessarily say talk about my family. I learned quite early on not to talk about friends, because I felt if we I was with a group of writers, I could put up a photograph with that group of writers, and um, it was naive of me. I know now if I'm going to put up a photograph, even of a group, to ask permission as well. Um, some of the blogs you showed look as they've been designed by <coughs> designers, some haven't. Do you feel it makes any difference, or is it really just down to content? Um, I think it comes down to just content, actually. But, but my blog has been designed as well now, um, but it's a WordPress one. So you can go on to, um, I mean, you could start a, a, a blog through Blogger free and you would have it up and running with content, etc. within 10, 10 minutes. And there are professional designs there. But I think once you've started and once it's working as my calling card for my work, I want some kind of more of my personal identity rather than um, putting up a blog and I now will go and someone else has got exactly the same design on there. There's lots of people that will do it though, so you'll be the fun there. Um, do you think it's important to um, have a blog
I think it really helps to have different subjects to write about, actually. I think that's one of the differences in that you've got the variety of interests coming in. But you have to have some kind of identity there. So, like, if you write here, I mean, I'm writing about gardens through being a writer. If I was suddenly to start to write about gardens, then that would confuse some of the people that have been following me. So as long as you go back to that initial question, like, you know, what do you want people to do as a result of, of reading you, and, what, and why do you want to write it? Um, you know, then, you know, it, it will help you as well to carry it on if you've got some kind of focus as to who you want to be reading it. But to bring in interests, I think, you know, but if, the other thing is to really think about... People um, dismiss, they take for granted all the things that they know and all the things that they're interested in and how much that's going to interest other people. Um, and actually starting to think about some of those things will, will completely broaden your readership as well. You know, some people are very worried about that. And that, again, is, I think, when you need to think about your own boundaries, how much information you're going to share. I would never put my address up, for example. Um, I would never say I'm going on holiday. You know, come and come find my house. <laughs> or something like that. So, I, you know, it would be afterwards I might put something up about that. Um, I think it's, it does happen. It's naive to say it doesn't, but it's more of a worry than it is an actuality. Um, in terms of accessing the blogs, um, each blog has its own website address, and so you just type in the website address and it will come straight out to the yeah. blog. But How do I know what's out Okay. How does anybody start getting into it? Five hours later you'll be wondering why you asked that question. So what you can do is just to start, if you have a particular interest in mind, just to start you off is to do an internet search for that, particular, it might be craft blog, whatever, each of the, and then you'll get a list. Each now, most blogs will have a blog roll list down the side. But I'm just saying, I pick craft blogs. If you did an internet search, they'll come up, yes. But then if you did an internet search, a list will come up of different blogs. So just to get you started, you'll click on that. Perhaps if you, perhaps we could, I can just write it out. <laughs> okay, all right, well we're going to finish there. And uh, I've certainly found that you still want to go home and sort of like practice myself. So thank you very much.